0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to
1: Peer Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Rolando and we're on episode 345. Yeah. An up, no, not an update, a themed episode.
0: Themed episode, yeah. So uh, I was just kind of awestruck at the fact that it's 345. Yeah, 345 episodes into this. Uh, it was just like yesterday we were at 300, uh, but we keep going. We keep pumping out this uh, content. And it's amazing that there's always something to talk about. You know, we have our update episodes, which makes sense that, you know, every other week there's new things we're going to be talking about with you know eBay updates and our stories about being at garage sales and thrift stores and all that fun stuff. Things that we're buying and flipping and all of the fun stories that you guys want to hear. But what's amazing is after 345 episodes, these themed episodes are still very useful where we kind of dive into a topic. We're kind of covering one specific thing and going into depth about it and even if we're like retouching things we've talked about in the past, we're coming at it with new perspectives. Yeah, because we've learned a lot over the
1: time.
0: And reselling has changed, right? Like Things aren't the same as they were. So uh, I'm really excited today. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, a continuation of something we talked about a couple of themed episodes ago, which is things that new resellers don't know and should know, and maybe even long-time. We had a lot of people in our comments on our last episode. We had a lot of long-time resellers who were like, you know, I just switched to this or I just started using that. That was such a good, like, for instance, the the Rolo or the thermal printer was a good example yeah, yeah, or yeah. even different shipping techniques. And so even if you're a longtime uh, reseller, one of the things is kind of a little bit of humility, recognizing, Hey, we don't all know everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. I certainly don't know. Orlando certainly doesn't know. And we all have our expertise, but it's easy to get into a rut. And so whether you're new or you're experienced, hopefully there's some things here you're going to learn and let us know in the comments below, if we missed anything, if there's anything that you think that new resellers kind of need to know in order to be successful at reselling.
1: No agreed agreed. And it's interesting because the stories that people shared in the comments, about how long they were doing something and then they didn't know until maybe they listened to the podcast or they saw another reseller do it. And so it's it's just interesting, the journey we all go through. And again, like you said, we're all learning, but not only that, there's no one way to do reselling. I know that sometimes, you know, there's individuals out there that will say, well, this is how to do resell on eBay. You must do this and this and this and this. And if you do this and this, you'll get to this. And there is truth to that, but it, doesn't necessarily fit every single model or every single everybody's family or what people even want to do. Right. That's the other thing about reselling is there has to be a component that you have to have some kind of passion. Uh, It can't just be something like you just want to make money because you will uh, burn out quick. So let's talk about uh, all these things that maybe you didn't know, but you should know. And if you're new, this is definitely going to be something that you need to pay attention to. Now, the first one, we talk about this all the time. So I I don't know why I threw this in here. But if you're new to eBay. You may think, hey, I'll go to one garage sale. I'll list a couple items on Saturday. And I'm just going to wait till the next garage sale. I'm going to wait till the next Saturday. And then I'll list like three or four more items. And then I'll wait till the next one. And then a month passes. And you're like, you know, Mike and Orlando, they're liars. Like you can't pick stuff up at the garage sale and sell them. But the reality is, is that. Ebay wants you to daily do something on the platform. the the, the algorithm likes activity. It likes to know that you're you checked in. I'll give you an example. Uh, my son, who should be a top tier reseller right now, but he he's a top tier student, and that's why he's he's too busy. My son is taking five AB classes next year. No, maybe six. Oof. So so
0: I I don't know if that's impressive or crazy. I don't know. Well, either way, he started
1: an eBay store and, you know, I showed him the ropes and everything. And and he opened up with about he had 15 or 20 items and he just listed them and he never looked back and he sold maybe two items in two months. And then he just let it sit. And he has not sold an item probably six months. Right. And every once in a while he'll get an offer, but it's very rare. So how do you do this daily activity? Well, it could mean you go and you check your prices. Maybe you modify your prices. It could mean, you know, if you you run an eBay store that you run a sale or you send offers or you have a promotion going, it it makes it make sure that people message you that you're messaging back. But the most important thing is make sure you are doing some kind of listening. It doesn't have to be every day, but at least Every other day or every three days, there needs to be something happening that kind of refreshes because it keeps the algorithm going. Okay, th- you know, there's going to be sales to be made. There's going to be money for eBay. eBay is going to get its fees. And so eBay likes that activity. Now, if you're not just that super small part time seller, if you're somebody that's part time, you have about two to 500 items or you're full time, you need to be in there every day. If you want to make consistent sales, you have to be doing something every day on eBay. Yeah. And there's even end. And the item's so similar.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of mystery even as to why this is the case for certain categories and why activity is important. Mm-hmm. We know that when you're starting out, if you're brand new to reselling, um, there's eBay kind of, I don't want to say gamifies, but to an extent, they kind of gamify the experience. So is that a new word like in the last two years? Uh, no, it's, you know, or new is in like maybe a decade or so. Oh, okay. So yeah, you're a little yeah, behind yeah, the right, times right, here. Right, but, right. I can't go um, ahead. But they try to get people to those kind of consistent dopamine releases of hey you know you're getting sales or even if it's just like we've increased your store limit like you get an extra 100 free listings this month they do a lot of things to try and hook you in early but once you yeah, once you've been selling for a while one of the things that activity does in one instance extra activity um it what it what it could be doing is just making sure that you're you've got more items listed which is always going to help you sell or that your items are pr- being priced correctly or that they're not stale in the system. Um, but then also the fact that if you're on there, you're doing things, um, you know, eBay is going to reward that for various reasons, you know, whether it's it's helping them out in the long run, it's getting extra traffic to their site, it's helping ads. Maybe th- There's a lot of reasons, but we do know that certain things are going to be better than others, but whether or not you're listing, you're ending, you're keeping your items priced correctly, you need to be doing something in your eBay store. And it's like any business. If you don't if you're not working on it, you're going to get rusty. It's not going to get better. If you just let a store sit for a brick and mortar store sit for a month without doing anything to it, not new adding new inventory, inventory you're yeah, not you're not sales. adjusting your inventory, you're not running sales, you're not sweeping the floor, right? Things fall apart. So all of those things matter. So you treat your business like a business, even if it's a hobby, treat it more like a business than you think you need to, because at some point it might become your business and you want to have everything in line there. Uh, and then our next thing Wait, is, Before we move on, I wanted to address something. Go for it. So
1: have you heard lately, there's there's this huge rumor that was started like two weeks ago about that and then sell similar has caused sellers to be shadow banned. Have you heard of that one?
0: Um, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a few people talking about the shadow banning. I didn't know what all they were complaining about, but I know that... that that's probably one of them. Okay. All right. So I just want to address this because
1: I, I believe it's not based on any data or any facts. I, I, I do believe that at one point somebody had said on some comment or some forum and said, Hey, by the way, eBay is shadow banning me. I'm doing end until sell somewhere and I've had zero sales over the last couple of days. Okay. That to me is not enough to go eBay shadow banning people. Like th- that may be that person's experience, but we don't know that person maybe hasn't listed in two or three weeks. That person maybe is sourcing items that are not going to sell. It could be a multitude of reasons, but I can tell you in my experience and Mike's experience and, and t- plenty of people on the discord that the end and sell somewhere is working. Now, I don't think it's a solution to you know, fix things. Like if if you're not listing, eventually it will catch up to you. If you're just doing end until similar every single day for thirty days straight, I'm pretty sure the algorithm is going algorithm is going to catch on to that. And do I think that eBay has a technology to catch on? I do. But if eBay reps have been telling told me two two three months ago, uh, and plenty of other people that I know that are resellers that they've had a conversation with eBay and saying, "Hey, you want to make sure the items aren't stale after ninety days? Make sure to do end until similar." and we've seen proof of it i believe it's still great and again why would ebay shadow ban that means that they're they're wasting money to keep things on servers that they're not going to push out for people to buy
0: yeah no that's the thing is there's no point there's no reason for them to do that especially in the sense you consider um like you said like could they figure out that you're doing that they don't care like what the reason they they want to see things being fresh is if they see you've got a, a i don't know say 1000 items in your store And of those thousand items over the last 90 days, only like 30 things have sold and a whole bunch of things have been sitting there. That means your pricing is probably off. Your shipping is probably off. There's something there's there's, things are off, or maybe you don't have the right items in there. So when you do end and sell similar, it's not just a, I'm going to end and sell similar without even considering the fact that, Hey, maybe some of these things I need to adjust pricings. Maybe I need to adjust pictures. Maybe I need to remove the 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 background on some of these not because that is something you have to do but maybe it'll just make it look cleaner on the beginning mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things you can do um, which then of course it's not I don't think it's just that eBay just rewards you like oh thank you for doing that but <laughs> here's the token yeah but at the at the same time if you're making adjustments to your your listings in bulk like that you're going to be getting a little bit more action on them things are going to be moving and then again if it goes another 90 days and there's no action on that item again there's something wrong with it so It could be that you just got the wrong items the other thing too is you can't you don't want to just end and sell similar everything if you've got something that has a lot of recent watchers on it you've got something that's got a lot of views that's probably not the item to do that to because then you're actually could be hurting your store if you took a store that's like hey there's a lot of people coming to the store there's a lot of watchers this store has you know 300 items being watched and then all of a sudden overnight your store has zero watchers the view count goes way down then eBay's algorithm might say, hey, maybe the store doesn't have good stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you're you're ending the right things and not just everything. Because it could, I'm, I'm sure it could probably hurt you if you're ending the wrong things too. So you got you to have a little bit of wisdom there.
1: So let me switch things up one more time. Because... <laughs> Orlando, well, you do whatever you want to do. No, no, do. no. Okay, okay. But I know we were going to talk about deductions <laughs> and so on. But one thing we haven't talked about, if you're a new seller, what is the best way to list? What's the best way to figure out like keywords or, or what
0: categories or any of that. And you can't just, I'm assuming you mean like, uh, sell similar on stuff yes. that's already sold, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And if you're new,
1: new, you don't know this, right? You might pick up an item, right? You might pick up the Starbucks cup and you might look it up and then you'll go make a new listing. And then you're typing in Starbucks, blah, blah. What you should do is you should put in the keywords, right? Starbucks black matted, uh, steel cup, and go to sold and see all the sold and then you find the best listing that's on there right usually i look for the top rated plus listing on there uh, because that tells me that it's a i don't know professional seller but an experienced seller and so they made sure that they had the right item specifics They, they made sure that you know they had everything in play in that listing to maximize that listing and so what you do then is you hit sell similar So you don't create a brand new, fresh listing. You hit sell similar and everything's already filled out for you. And what does that do? It does two things. Number one, saves you a ton of time, right? You're not trying to fill out all the item specifics. Second, you know that the keywords that that person used is very possible what sold the item along with the pictures, right? So you're not looking for all these new keywords to put in there. Sometimes what I do, if there's something that sold at a great price, I'll just do sell similar. I wouldn't even touch the keywords. Like if it's a pair of shoes, I might change it from size 11 to size 12 to match that up. But I may just leave the keywords the way they are. And that allows me to list things a lot faster and it gives me great potential in selling items. So I thought that's something that we didn't talk about and I didn't have on the program today. And I thought we should talk about it.
0: Okay, I'm done now, Mike. Sorry. All right. I'm going to do awkward silence for a few seconds in case there's anything else Rolando wants to add here. <laughs> we're good. We're good, man. We're All good. right. So going back to the idea of treating your uh, business like a business, um, again, even if it's a hobby, is you want to be paying attention to all of your business expenses. And there's more of them than you may realize because all of your business expenses um, ultimately become tax write-offs. And they're also on the other end of the, the, the coin here is they're also cutting into your profits, mm-hmm. so you could be making a lot less than you think you are, and not necessarily deducting as much as you could be, and and that's like a double hurt for you. So if you're not factoring in things like the wear and tear on your vehicle, the amount you're spending in gas, how much you're spending on shipping supplies, how much you're spending on you know the internet fees that you know you had to increase your internet or buy a new phone because the camera on your phone wasn't whatever it is, all of those expenses start to add up. And so you might not be making as much as you really think you are per item. Um, And that's a bad thing because you want to have the data. The data is going to inform whether or not you're buying the right items, you're listing it at the right prices, how much money you're making, how much you can spend in your business. And then the other side is if you're already got those expenses, you might as well write them off. Because if let's say your business, just to give a round number, your business made $10,000 this year in profit, and that's the number that you know eBay told you. And then maybe you're like, okay, but I know that I spent about $3,000 on inventory. Okay, so I could write that off. But if you're, that's all you're writing off, and maybe you're shipping fees, what you paid UPS and FedEx. So you're, you're, you're cutting off the easy things, but if you're not keeping track of your mileage, if you're not keeping track of how much you spent for the scale that you bought for your you know, room that you're doing your listings in and you're weighing the items, and you're not keeping track of the cost you paid for the tape and you're not keeping track of all of those things really start to add up and you know this isn't hey i'm a cpa i'm gonna tell you all the things you can write off but really anything that's a business expense you can write off even if there's a portion of your house let's say you're you, you own your home it's a mortgage and you've got a 10 by 10 square foot room that is only used for ebay well that 100 square foot is technically a tax write-off all of those things are things you got to be paying attention to how much percentage of your phone are you using for business? Because you want to take all those off because at the end of the day, it's almost better for you if you were actually able to pocket, let's say, five or six thousand dollars for your business, but you're able to write off enough where hey, I'm not having to pay taxes on all five, six thousand dollars of that because there's things like I drove my car, and that's a kind of a long-term expense that you don't really see right now. But you know, when you got to replace things like a like a radiator or whatever in your car because you put miles on it you want to be able to have saved that money because that's the wear and tear and you get that money from the tax. So treat your business like a business, figure out all the expenses you can possibly be keeping track of. And there's a lot of tools that you can use for that. There's like mile IQ that'll keep track of your mileage. Um, There's various ways of kind of keeping track of those little things. at some point in the show, we'll probably talk about my reseller genie. So we might as well just do it now. Like that's a good tool that you can use for keeping track of the cost of your goods. Uh, we've got a, uh, a link in our description below. It's a tool that we use. We love it. It's a great way to kind of keep track of the items you're buying at garage sales and thrift stores and what you're putting into eBay, what those costs are. And then at the end of the year, you have a better picture and it's not fun. I mean, there's a few people who love to do bookkeeping and love to do, they love data and they love looking at data that's not everybody we don't all love it but we got to realize that it's something that at the end of the day it's gonna cost us money and time if we're not keeping track of these things now. so treat your treat your hobby or your business, whichever one it really is, as much like a business as you can uh, because you want to keep as much money as you can in your pocket and you want to make sure you're actually profitable and that you're not losing money I've, I'm sure there are many of our listeners out there who think, man, I had a really good year I made a lot of money but they don't realize that they actually maybe only made half as much as they thought they made because they had expenses they weren't really keeping track of. And then they don't understand why things aren't working out. They're not able to pay their bills. So make sure you're keeping track of those numbers. That data is going to be important to you. And that tax savings at the end of the year is definitely going to be worth it.
1: Yeah, so real quick, make sure to go to our link below. Our, our code is PUREHUSTLE, all caps. You'll get fifteen percent off my, your first month on my reseller Genie. Now, I wanted to add to—I was doing some math while you are talking—and let's say you only went to garage sales. Let's say you went—you drove a hundred miles in garage sales, right? And, and not everybody drives that much, but let's say you did, okay? And you consistently every Saturday. So we're not even talking about thrift stores. We're not talking about you know, going to the post office, if you just did that, right? You, you go a hundred miles over 52 weeks, right? That would, that would
0: give that's, you, that's a lot of garage selling.
1: Okay. But I'm, I'm not throwing in the post office. I'm not throwing in thrift stores. I'm just saying, let's say you only did garage sales, right? You only did garage sales. And then you went the federal rate. I think it's 0.625 or something like that. That's $3,250 of deduction. Right. That you could put. And we're not TPAs this is not financial advice, but that's three thousand two hundred fifty. And let's say you went to the post office twice a week. Right. You add a couple other thousand. Right. And then let's say you had to go get supplies, whether it be you went to Home Depot or you end up going to dumpsters or, or you go to U-Haul, wherever. That's more mileage that you can add. Right. And then let's say you also have to go to FedEx and you have to go to UPS. These are all things I wish I had known when I was first a reseller part time. I probably went five years not taking account of any mileage and just being real. Now, granted, I was in a huge seller. I was maybe selling a few items a week. But I, who knows? Who knows how much money the government took for me that I could I should have held for myself? You know what I mean? So, yeah, make sure you're, you're keeping track of stuff and start early. Now, the other thing is feedback. And this is on multiple levels. This is whether it's the eBay feedback, whether it's making sure that you keep your defects low on eBay. So there's the two deadly ones or the ones that will kill your business. Are uh, One is uh, having a transaction defect. So that is one where you know, it, the item is out of stock and you put that it was, you couldn't ship it out because it's out of stock. It, it could be something where it escalates and the case closes without you resolving things with the buyer. That's really bad. That's also called with uh, uh, defect uh, n- case solved, resolved without resolution or something like that. Those will hurt you. You want to make sure if you're a new seller that you're doing everything to resolve things with the buyer. eBay likes you keeping things settled between you and the buyer. They never like things escalating. And if they do escalate, you better make sure you do everything. I would even say I've I've said this before. Like the other day I had a I had a bad buyer and they destroyed an item they got it sent back to me and I told eBay, I said, "Listen, if I'm able to keep my feedback, I'll refund them, you know, the amount even though I'm going to totally lose on this item." I'll refund them the 50% because in the end, that $30, $40 that I'll spend is worth me keeping my business rolling without any kind of defects, without any kind of issues. Now, luckily, eBay stepped in and they resolved everything and and I was I was golden. But you want to make sure that you resolve things. And if you get a negative feedback, I would argue every single one. Now, even, you know, you're like, well, what if it's my fault? Well, you're you're kind of stuck there. But let's say you've had a good track record. Let's say you've been selling on eBay four or five years or six years and you've had a great 100% feedback. Sometimes you can contact eBay and go, listen, I messed up. I've been selling for so long. Things have been great. I know I messed up on this one. I was wondering if we could work something out. And what's the worst thing you're going to say? No. Right. And I would argue with every single one because here's the deal you may think everything's all good and you get one negative and you're like, oh, whatever, it's, life moves on and I'll keep moving forward. But then you get this month where you get like two or three mm. and then it really starts affecting you. You never know what's around the corner. So it's better to keep your record clean as you move because that does help you in creating buyer confidence and also helps you in the eBay algorithm.
0: That's good. That's good. Um, and, and kind of along with your feedback, because part of the feedback you were talking about has to do with how eBay is going to treat you and treat the business um, mm-hmm. and treat you know interactions you have that may be negative with customers. But the other side of that is your, your reputation and, and not just your reputation with eBay, which is important, but also your reputation with the buyers. And one of the ways of protecting your reputation is by shipping on time, right? Like you need to make sure your items are, are getting out when you say they're gonna get out. Now, for the sake of being competitive, Oftentimes you want to have same day or one business day shipping time. But I've had many seasons during my time as a reseller where I've had to, you know, either put my store on vacation mode or kind of what I do now is the time away or extend my handling time. If I know I've got a lot going on right now, there's a lot of things going on personally. It's just really hard for me to do this. It's a hobby for me or it's not as important. It's not my my nine to five. So, I can extend my handling time, maybe three days, four days, and I am will still get sales through there. But you typically want to have as quick as a, a shipping time as possible. It's going to get you more sales. But if you say you've got same day shipping or next day shipping and your buyer is buying from you because you've got fast shipping and you don't get that item out on, top, on time, it's it's really, really going to hurt you. Uh, it's going to hurt you in, in two ways. One, that that customer has every right to be upset with you. If, cause mm-hmm. I, how many times think just put yourself in a customer's shoes. How many times you buy something and you look at when is this going to arrive? Okay. I need this by this weekend because I've got this project I'm doing, or I'm going to this event. So I need these shoes or whatever the situation is a lot of times and not every time, but a lot of times buyers are buying based off when they think something is going to show up. I need this birthday present before the party. So, you got to make sure you're getting it out on time. Cause then if a customer complains, that's one of those instances where you're going to have a hard time fighting with eBay. If yeah, I know I had next business day and it took three days for me to ship this out. looks really bad. It's, it's looks really, really bad. Um, and it's going to hurt you, you know, with eBay on that sense. And then it's also going to potentially get you those negative feedbacks. And so there have been times, I'm sure I'm not the only reseller. I'm sure many people have done this before, um, where, I know I'm not going to be able to get it to the post office, like maybe it's same day shipping or it's next day, but as long as I can get it packed, get the label made, and then scan that into eBay. And then it goes out the next day. As long as the customer doesn't complain that it arrived late, it has to do with when you, when you made the label. All mm-hmm. right. So mm-hmm. you're, it's always a gamble. You potentially could run into the issue if it shows up a day late and the customer is upset. This was supposed to be here Friday. It didn't get here until Saturday. And when I look at the tracking, they made the label on time, but it didn't get, make it to the post office until you could run into issues. But it's it's rare. Though. It, it's, it's rarer for sure. So. And a lot of times, too, you know, shipping is faster if it's supposed to take three to five days, sometimes it's three days. So depending on the season, you can be a little bit more um lenient with that but you at least want to get the label made because that's going to make a customer feel much better when they see your item you know has shipped yeah yeah because that's the the notification they're going to get once that label has been made
1: yeah and you want to make sure this is something we're going to talk on later but we might as well talk about it now is that you're keeping track of your cutoff time so if you go to ebay and you go to my ebay and somewhere in the settings, there, there's their shipping policies and you can create policies for each item. And I strongly encourage you to do so. It's a, it's a really advanced discussion right now. So I don't want to have that discussion, but you can you know, say, Hey, I'm willing to do same day, one day shipping, whatever it is. And then you can do your, your cutoff time. So for example, my cutoff time is always 1 PM. So if anything sells before 1 PM, I have to ship it out that day. Right. And that gives me a good enough time because our post office here is closed by five PM. They don't pick up any more items. So if I get anything crazy, you know, I still have about a good four hours or less than so far like three hours and forty minutes uh to pack that item. Right. And generally I do get some sales and then I can do the math too, going, Okay, you know, it sold at one. I could probably get it to the post office by five, but I have too much going on, right? I have a, my kid's uh, tennis match or I have, you know, a commitment to go to and I'm okay because my cutoff time is one. Some people I know do it for 10 a.m. Like they want to get all their packing done uh, before 10 a.m. They don't have to deal with it anymore. And so they just have their cutoff time at 10. So make sure you take a look at your cutoff time and see what you have set up now and the other one is is a little it's a little difficult if you're starting new, but I, I encourage everybody to become a top rated seller. And there's a lot of stuff like seller protection and so on. but I just want to focus on the deep savings. So if you're a top rated seller, you get some major discounts on your shipping. and along with that, you also get free priority insurance up to hundred dollars. So anything that you ship priority, whether it be in a flat rate, whether it be calculated, you automatically get get $100 insurance on that item if you're a top-rated seller. And on top of that, so for example, FedEx. Sometimes I have an item that I want to ship out and it's going to cost me like $50. But if I end up doing FedEx ground or if I do FedEx uh, whatever it is, the four-day delivery, it's like a 51% discount. Do you have deep discounts like that on yours?
0: Yeah, I've actually, um, unfortunately, recently lost my top-rated seller. Um, I hate to admit that. mostly because all of the things going on the move my kid in the the hospital for you know a couple of weeks and all of the the stuff that happened um so it's not a priority for me to get it back because a lot of my selling has been local i've done a lot of local flips uh, so it's kind of how i've i'm actually i'm very thankful for one of our listeners for kind of pointing that out because when i was getting to the point where i was like i might lose my top rated seller because i haven't been selling as much on ebay it hasn't been my focus And I said, I feel bad because, you know, I'm I'm doing this podcast on reselling. And and they responded and and it was such a good point was, you know, you guys are a reselling podcast, not a I sell on eBay podcast. Mm. And so, you know, my reselling career and field isn't always just on eBay, right? Like I do, I sell things locally. I sell things sometimes at swap meets. I, I mean, right now, a lot of it's local. And so just kind of having that like affirmation of, yeah, like, but to go back. It was not that hard. I don't feel like to get the top rated seller in the first place. Now I know I celebrate whenever on our Discord somebody gets top rated seller.
1: Real quick, I'm interrupting you so much, man. So we talked about daily activity. Right. I I just got on eBay just right now to show something.
0: You got to talk in the mic.
1: And, and guess what happened? I get an offer. eBay likes activity. It's an action. All right. I I will. If I interrupt again. I can't make any promises, but
0: I won't. All right, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Not on. even sure what I was saying. Um, but you know, I, I, we try and celebrate. Um, you know, every time someone gets top rated because it, it is an accomplishment. But I think back to when I did it. If you're a consistent reseller, you're you're consistently listing things, you're consistently selling things. Before you know it, you'll be top rated because the metrics mm-hmm. are a certain number of sales and a certain value of of sales in a certain period of time. I can't remember what those numbers are exactly, but it's like over a 12 month period, you get X amount of thousands of dollars in sales and a certain number of sales. And if you're selling consistently, you're gonna get that. Like it's not gonna be long before you get it. I reached, I, I reached those metrics. The very first time without really even trying it was just like we're just selling things and oh look we're top rated so you're gonna get there if you are consistently selling and then yeah you, not only do you get the discounts on the shipping but you also get discounts on some of the the fees in different categories as well mm-hmm.
1: so i just looked it up uh you have to be active for at least 90 days one or 100 or more transactions and $1000 in sales during the last 12 months with US buyers a defect rate of less than 0.5% with three or fewer defects from unique buyers cases closed without seller resolution less than equal to 0.3% a late shipment rate everything we just talked
0: about yeah, I'll, I'll, just basically be a great seller yeah, and, 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 and sell items what makes it hard cuz this is the reason we lost our um our, ours was we had way over $1000 in the 12 months but we'd kind of shifted. So I wasn't buying a bunch of cheap junk stuff anymore. Mostly the things I was buying was like the nice new stuff and all of my cheap junk stuff, my bread and butter items that are like $10, $20 items, those kind of had gone stale and I hadn't done the the end and sell similar. So I was at like, I don't know what the number was, but it was way over a thousand. I'm, I'm in the tens of thousands, but it was like big item sales, like sales like one item sells for like 800, another sold for 600. So I had big sales. But that hundred number was what what got me. So my wife and I were like, how do we get like 15 more sales in the next you know week in order to not lose this? And it's like, it's not even worth it, whatever. We'll get it back because again, it's a 12 month period. So even if you do lose it and they give you a grace period, we got like a certain period of grace period on that. Um, but it's like, okay, once we get to Texas and we kind of get our store rolling again, uh, we'll be top rated again in, in just a few months. It's not, it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely worth it for the discounts. Yeah, so just real quick
1: to share it with you. So I sold... Uh, A set of lawn bowling things, which we'll talk about later is my hustle of the week. But, you know, it was 25 pounds and it was 22 by 14 by eight. And, you know, if I ended up shipping, let's say FedEx home delivery, I get 27 percent off. If I go UPS ground, 28 percent off. Uh, Let's say I wanted to do UPS second day air. Okay, now this is in California. I get a 67 percent discount. It's a huge discount and pretty much that means the person's going to get it overnight. UPS next day air 60%, right? And so there's deep, there's deep discounts. Now it's not the same for every item. I think it calculates where you're sending it to and how much the item weighs in dimensions. but sometimes I've gotten something where on priority, it was going to cost like $60 and then I looked at FedEx and it was like 51% discount and it was only going to be $20. So make sure you're aiming uh, for that top rated
0: seller. That's good. Um, All right, our next one is, and this is definitely good for new resellers. um, Maybe as you get a little bit more into reselling, you'll kind of change it because you've got a brand to keep track of. But it really doesn't matter what you ship your items in. I remember when I first started selling, I was kind of worried that I had to like get rid of any markings on boxes, or people are going to think it's weird if they're getting an eBay item in an Amazon box, and then, well, you know, this is a bigger item, and it's only going to fit in a diaper box. You know, it's going it's going (laughs) in a diaper box. Um, you can send really anything and anything. Now, there comes a point where if you've got a brand for a store, you're like, I am the store that sells, I don't know, rare trading cards. And you're going to want to make sure you've got kind of a consistent packaging and maybe even stickers that go on them. But if you're just selling random things and you're kind of the whatever store, you sell anything and everything, I'm not going to care if I buy a you know, camera and it comes in a random box for, I don't know, something else so It was like, well, clearly they got this box at Costco and, but it works and my item arrives safely. People aren't going to care. So use whatever shipping supplies you can use, especially if you're getting them free or from friends or you've got Amazon boxes, maybe take off um, your address. If it's stuff that came to you, that's something I would do. I would peel off my like address or mark it off, but people aren't going to care what it comes in sometimes it's nice to use ebay tape just to kind of show like hey this is an ebay item not an amazon item coming to you um or this isn't actually diapers but you know there's some ebay tape over this diaper box um the only time i was like a little hesitant and i'm not gonna lie i sent out quite a few things there was a uh, a game that i bought at a store and i bought like eight of them on clearance and they sold really fast and it was an awkwardly shaped game and so I had to find a box that fit. And I found at the cafe where I used to work, I worked at a school and there was a cafe there. There was like boxes that were perfect size, but they were like boxes that like frozen meat was shipped in. And so it was like, it said on there like raw meat. And I'm like, you know, what if it's like a vegetarian getting this? And they're like, cause I know some, you know, some like vegans and vegetarians are pretty like serious with like, they don't want to touch things that have touched. And obviously meat wouldn't be in the box, Touching it without yeah. like plastic of some I know, kind. Be but at the same time, there <laughs> might be some, somebody who's like, uh, this is, so there might be some things, whether it's me or something that's like, you know, be careful with like the extremes, but most of the time, 99% of the time, people don't care what it comes in as long as it arrives in good condition. Agreed. Agreed. Now the, the one rule to that is you can't ship
1: things in boxes that have alcoholic uh, branding on it. Anything to do with alcohol, USPS
0: will reject it. So or, those or USPS boxes if you're not shipping it through USPS. So you got to be careful. With Correct. That too.
1: Or a flat rate box has a calculated right. shipping yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, listen, I, I remember back in the day. Remember like the Poshmark bags. Like everybody would get the nice envelopes. Like it doesn't matter.
0: Uh, okay, I <laughs> oh I, gonna... I would disagree with you on that. Okay, yeah. So okay. you're you're very big. So Orlando's pretty big on you don't presentation doesn't matter. But again, that's because like I'm looking at Orlando's stuff right now that he has in here that he's selling. And it's like just random, like a random RC car and random Legos and a train piece. And okay. But again, if you've got a brand where you're like, Hey, I sell like, top end or like middle of the road, like, but like quality, like clothing and like people I've returned buyers who are coming and like, maybe my target market is like, you know, 30 year old women who are like, you know, got some money and they're stay at home moms and they have kids and they're into like Instagram and they're into like, you know, they're going to want their stuff. Like if they're used to buying things off of Etsy or off of Poshmark, there's nothing wrong with having like a nicer bag. Like we buy, my wife bought on Amazon, like it was something crazy, like 500 bags of like, they they had pineapples on them or like ones that had flamingos on them. And they're like cute bags and we don't use them for anything other than like when we ship out, like if, if she ships out like Lulu leggings that like we paid $40 for, but we're selling them for like 120 or something crazy like that. Like I'm not shipping them in something junky. Like people, we get comments all the time, such cute packaging. And there's nothing wrong too with, again, a lot of our listeners say the same thing. Like, especially if you've got like a, a, one of the, the um, thermal printers, of like printing out a thing that's like a thank you or like a promo code or like a little business card you slide in with a coupon to your store. So again, it has to do with what's your brand. Like if you, if your target market is a certain thing, you probably want to make sure, like if you're mm-hmm. if you're like the car part, we sell car parts, like and you've got a brand, like put that on there. Maybe don't send it in like barbie boxes. You know, people <laughs> no, no, are like, I, I I agree with you on that. No, that's true. That's so, true. So certain certain demographics. So again, like Orlando, your your demographics probably don't care about thank you notes and yeah, but if it's, a, and- if it's a
1: high end thing, like if it's something that's like, let's say I'm selling a vintage Hawaiian shirt that sold for $500, like I'm not just going to throw in a regular poly. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to, I'm going to make sure it's in a nice plastic sealed bag then I'm going to put in a nice poly bag and then I'm going to put
0: it in a box. Yeah. But right? again, so, but, but you got to remember, so that's for the high end stuff for sure. But there's a cl- whole clientele that want to feel like they're getting high end, even though they're not getting high end. Yeah. I don't, I don't want that well, you can not want that clientele, but like if, you, if that's where you're making your money, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, you I gotta agree. And and again, reach out to whoever your people are. That
1: is true. I remember one time I uh, sold a pair of uh, Louis Vuitton heels. They were like three hundred bucks, and I I sent them in a Rockport box, and I'm pretty sure that's why I got the return. It just it just yeah, you know, they probably got in there like Rockport, and they open, mm-hmm. and there's some Louis Vuitton heels in there. That probably didn't go so well. Yeah, that's true. So anyways, all right. Hey, uh. So before we move on, uh, if you want to continue some of these conversations, we have a lot of these conversations in our discord and there's, there's people that have been there from the beginning. And there's also new people that come in, experienced sellers, new sellers. And the way to get access to discord is by helping us out on Patreon. It's kind of like the bonus. You know, if you go on Patreon, you're helping us out, uh, with 555 a month. Uh, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Podcast or go to the link below and just sign up. it, And it's not too bad. I mean, for, you know, 60 bucks a year, around 60 bucks a year, so much great information on, on our discord, whether it be from, you know, how to ship things out or keep things to look out for, or just having conversation. Cause you know, reselling can be a very solitary process. And so uh, check us out and it definitely helps us out, especially now as we're like a month away, right? From, uh, podcasting from different locations
0: yeah it's getting close so we're
1: about to make those purchases of equipment so that would definitely help us out so again go to patreon.com slash pure hustle podcast on social media we are pure hustle podcast on instagram facebook and by the way the facebook is back and running uh for a reason for like two or three months uh, nothing was i don't know what happened it was kind of quiet like i wouldn't get comments and then i noticed that our Instagram wasn't linked to our, linked to our Facebook. So if you're listening to us now, we are linked back up. You can comment, you know, we'll, we'll engage there. Uh, so we're Pierce, of podcast on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and TikTok. And we're Pierce, o cast on Twitter. As always, you can give us a call 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or you can shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this podcast, many of you have done this, hoping that more of you will do this. Uh, if you're listening to a podcast and you've never seen our mugs on YouTube, come on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and then you can just go back and just keep listening <laughs> if you want. Uh, we're trying to get our number to uh, 10K by the end of the year of subscribers. Even more, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll go viral one day, uh, but it definitely would help us out and smash that like button and that bell notification. And last of all, iTunes reviews. I think we're at the 700 club. Uh, so, you know you want to help us out continue to be the most rated reselling podcast out there the number one reselling podcast uh jump on over to itunes let people know why you listen drop those five stars it would be greatly appreciated because the only reason that we're able to reach so many people is because of all you awesome listeners that continually support us whether it be via patreon whether it be through reviews whether it be through are just hitting that you know thumbs up on the youtube yeah. all right now it's time to share some major scores
0: come on hustlers it's the freaking hustle of the week yeah hustle of the week That's where we get a chance to celebrate some of those wins that uh you know listeners or even sometimes you know me and Orlando have had throughout the week uh so this first one comes from tommy his ig handle is reselling sensei sensei reselling uh Hey, Mike and Orlando, appreciate the content. I listen to you guys all the time when hitting garage sales to learn some extra tidbits of random resung stuff. Well, my first side hustle of the week is a bundle deal for $50. I bought an AJA 4K HDMI mini converter, which sold in two days for $474.99 plus shipping. Added bonus was I saved on shipping, so I made a little extra. Heck yeah, that is... So, so, 50 what is bucks that? to an HDMI mini converter. Um, I'm not sure. Okay. 4K HDMI It's profitable. It's profitable. That's what matters, right? So, um, yeah. I mean, if you don't know what something is, th- that's a nice thing too. As long as you've been reselling, especially if you're going to garage sales and thrift stores, you see a lot of the same things or similar types of things. And when you see something, you're like, I don't know what that is. I'm going to look it up. There's there's a chance. It's profitable. And uh, you never know. You might be able to sell a, uh, an HDMI mini converter for... Almost $500. Love it.
1: Interesting. Now, he also added another one. I thought we'd throw it in because I thought it was cool. Uh, he ended up finding a vintage 1999 16-inch Pikachu plush by Hasbro. Uh, he got it for free over a year ago. Basically, just sat in, in a death pile and never got listed. decided decided to finally list it and sold it for $150 plus shipping. That's pretty awesome. Nice. Free to one hundred and fifty. It's like somebody just giving you a Benjamin, and and I don't know what the fifty dollar bill is, but you know, hey, one hundred fifty. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey. So this next one comes from DN Pro on our Discord. Uh, a few weeks back, drove by a yard sale that had a bunch of furniture out. Decided to stop and found a few boxes of clothing in the back. Saw a shirt on the bottom that was vintage, but a brand new one that they had not heard of before. I love it. I love it when I do that. When when you show up at a garage sale. And there's just boxes of clothing that nobody has opened. It's such an amazing feeling because y- you find all kinds of treasures a lot of the time. Anyways, grab the shirt for two dollars listed on eBay and sold in two weeks. A vintage uh, Dazia Cheshire Alice in Wonderland T-shirt for one hundred ninety nine dollars wow. and ninety nine cents. Free ship. That's legit. That is legit.
0: I don't think I've sold a two hundred dollar shirt yet. I need to. I need to get into the uh, the vintage shirt game. That's one thing I, that, that's one of the fields I haven't really got into, but uh maybe, maybe one of these days I'll start looking. It's a learning curve, but once you get the feel for like what you're looking for. I, it I it just, goes. I just hate digging through like mm-hmm. shirts at yeah, yeah, yeah. garage sales, you know, yeah, and, <laughs> they're like, there's a smell and sometimes a texture, <laughs> and, you know, but if you know what you're looking for. Um All right. So our next one comes from Eric, IG handle, uh, Abra bros, Abra bros. I think, um, Mm -hmm. long time listener of the podcast, first time hustle of the week. So my city does an annual cleanup for trash pickup for designated neighborhoods. Each year, the streets get absolutely flooded with trash, furniture, garden trimmings, cardboard boxes, old electronics, and toys. Pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, Myself, along with many, many other people were driving around the neighborhood and looking through each pile of trash. Love it. My main goal is to get the various plastic bins. Uh, so that I can use to better sort through my death pile. Oh, that's a that's a smart, smart way of doing it, right? During my scavenging, I came across a few piles in the same vicinity and parked on the side. While looking around, I came across this Target plastic bag that was sitting on top of a worn-out couch with some cobwebs around it. I opened it up, and lo and behold, was a Nintendo Switch with all the cables. No Wii remotes, though. Holy smokes. What in the world? (laughs) Who would throw this out? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, That's what he wrote, but that's what I'm thinking for sure. I was absolutely ecstatic. Went home, cleaned it up, wasn't too sure it would work. Connected it to the power and TV and powered it on and confirmed it worked. Also found a game still inside the console and listed the item for $75 with all the details. In the first hour, got an offer for $60, then $64. Didn't think too much about accepting, so I let it sit overnight. Sold the item for full asking price within about three hours. Yeah, 75 bucks. I would take that Nintendo Switch for 75 bucks. Yeah. But I mean, you picked it up for free. And I like the fact that you included all the details, right? Because you don't really know. You you powered it on. Maybe you tested it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you don't know. Like maybe it's out there because there's something wrong with it. Or maybe it sat in the rain for a day or two. So you, Because you don't know. If you list those details, you're willing to take the loss. But it's not a huge loss because you got it for free. So, yeah. man, what a, what a cool idea. Like a cleanup thing like that. I, I definitely would be out scavenging. But again, it's one of those things where you got to look through a lot of bags of trash before you find a Nintendo switch. It sounds very dystopian. <laughs> like a bunch of people driving around, like looking through dumpsters for like stuff.
1: Yeah. It's cool. I just, it's just interesting. Right. You a story. Somebody, uh, I recently saw somebody on social went to a GameStop dumpster and they found a the Nintendo switch hmm. like fully intact. It's crazy. It's crazy. Have you seen those uh, social videos where People will go to the dumpstop. Uh, they'll go to the dumpstop, the GameStop dumpster, and they'll find video games and they'll walk into GameStop and sell them back their video games. Yeah, I've heard about that. That's yeah. the best. All right. Uh, so you've been super busy. So I haven't been able to get a hustle a week, right? This time around?
0: Yeah, I'm going to let my hustle go until next time. Okay, we'll, uh, okay, okay. I, I think our listeners uh, were, were sufficient for anything I would <laughs> try right. So I'll share mine real quick because
1: this goes back to. I want to say six months ago. Uh, do you remember that big haul I had of like outdoor game equipment? Yeah. Like bocce balls yep. and money? Lawnm- okay. So I've already made, I think I made about seven to $800 already on that. Nice. And I only paid $20. Nice. So what happened is I, I should have gone to this garage sale first, but I thought there was going to be too much competition. So I showed up late. I showed up at ten thirty in the morning. And when I show up, there's a there's a bunch of vintage uh lawn bowling items there's a bunch of uh vintage bocce ball stuff vintage uh what it was that game croquet croquet mm-hmm. and he just wanted to move it and so i paid 20 bucks i also ended up getting a model like a plastic thunderbird from like the 80s 90s i was unassembled i sold that one for 300 bucks nice. i sold the uh, the croquet set for 200 bucks i sold Bocce ball set for 150. So, one of the best hauls I would say, probably of 2022. And so, this is one of the last remaining. I have one more set. So, what I ended up selling is a, uh, is remember, I paid $20. So, let's say I paid two, three bucks. I sold a vintage Henselite set of four Alba 1978 Super Grip lawn bowling balls, uh, for $115 plus ship. And, uh, just, just wow! This is why I love selling on eBay. Like, think about how many people walked by all that stuff and didn't think twice about it. I almost walked by about it. The only reason I came across it is I, I caught somebody on social saying that they sold a lawn bowling ball for like eighty bucks, and I was like, hmm, I should look this up. And when the guy was like twenty dollars for all of it, you sometimes you just gotta move and just take it, yep. sort things out after, you know. So that is my hustle of the
0: week. Nice, love it. All right. Uh, what do we got next here for things well, resellers need to know? Well, we got a, we got a few, we got a few things.
1: Uh, so I wanted to mention this because as a new seller, you're really scared about selling internationally. Mm-hmm. At least I was. I remember I'll never I'll never forget uh, back then when I started like 11 years ago. I remember I was married at that time, and I remember going to my uh, my ex at that time, and I said, "Hey, you know what? I think we should sell international. And I remember her going like, "Oh no, like." What if it doesn't make it? What if what if you know you end up
0: getting scammed and so on and 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 then all the fees like and, and then the forms like import fees yeah. and yeah, the forms you gotta fill out and customs and and it was really scary, but that's
1: when eBay was rolling out their global shipping program. So I was like, why not? And it was so easy. Like once I did it, and it was like just ship to Kentucky and we'll take care of the rest no forms to fill out none, none of that. Now you can still do that. Like I do it, encourage you because not every country is on eBay's program. And sometimes I'll, I'll ship stuff out to some random location that eBay doesn't approve. Uh, but I still make good profit, you know, but it's riskier, but I encourage you if you have not selected to do the eBay international shipping, cause that's what it's called now. I, I strongly encourage you to do that. Some of the best buyers I get are international and it's really easy the way eBay does it. You just got to ship domestically. And once it gets to the location that it needs to get to, you're golden. Mm. You're good. And uh, if there's an issue with it and the person wants to return it, eBay will take care of it, at least for now. Yeah. So strongly encourage you. Now, did you automatically do international from the beginning?
0: Not international, the the GSP. Um, And it was a little while before I started GSP. Uh, okay. Same thing. You had to kind of like encourage me. It's worth trying. Uh, and yeah, once I started GSP, it was it was... It's it's. I know you're really big on the fact that like your big items will sell on GSP, mm-hmm. uh, and and there's some truth to that. And the reason for that is because the fees are kind of exp- like they're they're up there for GSP, not for you, the seller, but for the buyer. So, in order for it to be worth it for a buyer to buy something through GSP, they're not going to buy a twenty dollars item, right? They they have to be willing to say, "Hey, I'm buying this three or four or five hundred dollars item because it's rare and I want it, and I don't care that I'm paying two hundred and fifty dollars shipping for it or whatever, you know, astronomical, depending on where it's going and, and weight and all that. It's not always that much, but sometimes it's 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 a really high fees. And so, the the reality is, you can go, "Wow, my big stuff sells through there now." Now that the system is kind of changing and you're able to sell more things internationally because the prices are cheaper. It's like cheaper items go, which actually in the long run could be good because your expensive stuff to the right buyer is still going to sell. But now you're opening up to a wider market by selling to, you know, more people who can afford the cheaper items internationally. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of fear there in the beginning and it was that idea of, well, worst case scenario, it makes it to kentucky i'm fine and it's probably going to be a big item that sells and sure enough it was some big items when i first listed gsb that sold and i did have a couple of complaints from from people who received things over the first you know year of selling gsb mm-hmm. and ebay always covered it in fact there were times where ebay completely like paid for the item like they refunded the customer and i got to keep the money like they covered the cost of it nice. you know, if there's a shipping issue or something uh so it was Definitely a good experience, um, and it's, yeah, like you said, it's not as hard as as you might think, and especially if you're going through something like the GSP or using eBay, and even if you're using something like Pirate Ship for international stuff, like, they make the, the forms, if you have to do forms, kind of easier to deal with, so mm-hmm. it's not as scary as it sounds, uh, and so don't be afraid to try it. Definitely don't be afraid to try it. No, um, agreed, agreed. Um, all right, our next one is... If you have not done eBay for a long time, like, I mean, I, I'm not an old guy, but I remember eBay from when I was a kid and my mom and dad would use eBay. And I remember that's one of the reasons when I started selling, like I very first started selling and I was doing auctions. Cause it's like, well, everybody buys on auctions on eBay, obviously, which is not the case, right? Like a lot of times it's buy it now best offer. But in my mind, eBay was auctions. And of course, like, you know, flashing titles and like, crazy html things and lots of things going on in your listing is going to be good for you you got to pay more for it and if you have to pay more for it obviously it's like valuable it's not the case right like a lot of times it's just going to be the simplest listings that are going to do well now all that to be said there are times again if you are a certain type of seller maybe you sell books maybe you sell you know some kind of media maybe you are the person who sells like uh, a certain type of you know pokemon cards or something and so you have a specific like chart that you put in that's got like your store's information and like some uh, policies of your store of returns and some information about like if they buy three then they get this so there are times where it might be worth having additional things in your listings but for the average person who's just selling something that they found at a a garage sale hey i found this random bows at a garage sale you don't need to have all of that stuff inside in fact it can almost make your stuff look cheesy. So most of my listings are one line. Yeah. Make it simple. Used
1: but not abused. Has some cosmetic wear. Please see pictures. I'm serious. I would say probably 80% of my listings are that. Right. So now if it's a shirt or if it's some clothing, I put measurements too. But yeah, you don't, I mean, people all the time, I, I still come across them. Like they tell you the whole history of, an, of the item, right? Like, yeah, this this item comes from the era of World War II at this at this battle and blah. And it's like, well, no, I don't, I'm not really sure. Unless you have a COA, like a provenance or a certificate of authenticity, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go into that. Like, reality is most buyers don't care about the story.
0: Now, again, there's certain things like I'm looking at your your RC car, right? Like, mm-hmm. you'd probably don't know enough about RC cars to add all the details in there that Correct. are that that would make what you could make. But if you knew this this niche, then it would be worthwhile to be like, it's got these upgrades, it's got this type yeah, of booster, yeah. it's that. got these springs added, mm-hmm. it's got this wrong with it, there's something another coil needs to be adjusted. Like, it, So again, like depending on the niche you're in, but the, going back to that thing with the Nintendo Switch, like if you don't know a niche that well where you just get like an RC car and you're like, I don't know all the upgrades that might have been done to this and aftermarket stuff and if any pieces are then you kind of list it at a much lower price and you kind of take the best pictures you can. And and somebody who knows what they're looking for is going to pick it up. But again, you might be losing a little bit of money because it's not your niche. If if you don't know the stuff to fill out, but that doesn't mean that just because you put more information in a, a description that that's even stuff people are going to be looking for. In fact, it could come back and it can hurt you if you put something in the description or mm-hmm. even going back to what Orlando said earlier, if you do sell similar and you're not careful and say, you know what? There's a lot in here in the description that, may or may not work for my item. Simplify it if you need to, because if all of a sudden somebody gets it and they say, well, in the description, it says that this piece was new, but actually I can tell that this piece has been replaced. But whereas if you just kind of leave it, these are the pictures, this is the general condition. You're not going to hurt yourself because you haven't lied or said something that they can say item not as described.
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, also uh, be careful. You don't need to click on the large gallery So there's this like dollar fee that you put in your listing and it makes it that the picture is bigger. Like if you're selling artwork that there needs to be attention and detail, maybe, but you got to be careful because sometimes you'll do a sell similar and it's there and you're getting charged a dollar every time the item refreshes or bold titles. bold. I I, I don't even, have you seen a bold title when you try to buy something on eBay? Somebody using the bold title function. You've seen it. Yeah. Really, it's like a dollar something. Yeah, nope, it's, it's nope. so pointless. So no need to do that. All right. So the last one, and we actually uh, just uh, did a mini sode on this one, uh, but it's that the ninety day, day total does not tell the whole story. Right. So you may go at your ninety day total, and you might say, "Wow, I'm really making a ton of money." But you have to understand that ninety day total is missing two key factors, at least for you. Number one, it's missing the fact that shipping's in there. So You know, unless you're profiting on shipping, that number is not a true number. And number two, it's not including your cost of goods, how much you paid for an item. So, like you said you may be you know making ten thousand dollars but you spent nine thousand (laughs) five hundred dollars on the items and the shipping and you're only making five hundred dollars net so really be careful about that if you want to know more about that 90 day total check out our mini so because we go more in depth about what is important in the 90 day total uh but you know it's a great guide It's, it's encouraging it's inspiring but if you're brand new and you're on social media and you see people flashing a 90 day total Make sure you understand you don't know the whole story. You could have somebody that's paying, you know, 70% on on items and then, you know, they're selling it. But then they also have the fees and everything. And maybe that 90 day total, only 10% of that is net profit. Seriously, there are some buyers that do that. And and that model works for some people, right? Especially like million dollar sellers, right? If you're selling a million dollars, you're making 10%, you're making 100,000. Like, that's not too bad. But just be careful about that because sometimes it can discourage you. It can get you to go like, oh, you know what? Uh, I need to sell those kind of items. But you don't know the whole story behind it. All right. So we got through a lot of stuff, huh? Yeah. So I I don't think we're going to have a part, part three. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you have anything that we missed that you think people should know that isn't really discussed in the reselling community make sure to put in the re and in re and then reselling comments in the youtube comments uh and you know maybe we'll address some of those but definitely take a look thank you all for tuning in as always make sure to be real be relevant and be reselling Late peace